Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. May we ask you a question? What are the odds of you being born? Maybe one in a trillion. Oh no, much greater than that. Think about the probability of your parents meeting, marrying, and the single reproductive cell of the possible trillions from your father, uniting with the precise egg of the average 100,000 viable eggs from your mother, uniting to make you. But the same process had to take place to create your parents and grandparents and all your ancestors back to the beginning of creation. If even one microscopic change occurred at any stage in history, you would not be here. So if one of your ancestors died in a war, a car crash, or from sickness, you would not exist. So what are the odds of you being born? The most conservative estimates are 1 in 400 trillion, but it's more like 1 in 400 quadrillion. So you might not realize what 400 quadrillion looks like. So let me give you an idea. If you were to live for 1 million seconds, then you would live for 11.57 days, whereas 1 billion seconds equals 31.7 years. And 1 trillion seconds equals 3,179 years, and a quadrillion seconds is 31,700,700 years. So if the odds of you being born are one in 400 quadrillion, then it's a miracle that you are here. A miracle is an event so unlikely that it is almost impossible. So by that definition, you are definitely a miracle. The Bible records God saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and approved of you as my chosen instrument. And before you were born, I consecrated you to myself as my own. Isn't it beautiful and comforting to know that God knew you before you were born. Today on It Is Written Canada, you will meet Ricardo Mena, who as a young person was angry with God, acting out certain self-destructive behaviors, getting caught in a cycle of addictions, not realizing that he was anything special. In a moment, Ricardo will tell you his true story of how God completely changed the way he saw his life. Welcome again to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. Sometimes I hear people say, I'm really a nobody, I'm just me. Do you know that God your creator has a different perspective? He says, you are not just you. 
God says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. As a young person, our special guest today, Ricardo Mena, did not believe that he was a miraculous chosen child of God. But obviously, something happened to change all that. Pastor Ricardo, thank you for being willing to share your story with us today. And thank you for joining us on It Is Written Canada. No, thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Pastor Ricardo, we received a lot of hope from your story, but before we get into the details of that, I wonder if you can tell us about your past, about your family. Of course. Um, I was born in South America, in Chile, to be more specific. Um, I, I, I'm a fourth generation Seventh-day Adventist, which doesn't mean much, because my mom married outside the church. So for a little bit, my dad was in the church, but then they left the church. So I, I was born outside. Pastor Ricardo, as a child, you started exhibiting certain behavioral problems. At what age did that begin? As I go back, um, it begins about five, six years old. I, I started wetting my bed, um, a lot of fighting, getting you know, in trouble in school, fighting all the time. My mom had to go in the school almost every other day. Um, I was very violent. Uh, I got kicked out of school. Then I had issues trying to find a school that would accept me. And that's kind of what happened. I didn't know exactly why all these things were happening. My parents had no idea. They took me to a psychologist to see what's going on with this kid. Right? And um, the psychologist couldn't find out what was happening. So nobody knew what was really taking place in my life. When you look back, what do you think was the root cause of what you were experiencing? As I look back into my life, what was really happening is something that nobody knew. Uh, I was sexually abused. I believe somewhere around I have done the math, basically looking back at some trips with my family to try to realize pinpoint when this happened, about five years old, somewhere that I was sexually abused. Uh, by a cousin. Uh, very unfortunate situation, but that's really what happened. And based on that, that I didn't even know that I was reacting to that, to that traumatic event, I was, I was involved with drugs very early, at a very early age, where I began to smoke I, at, at the age of eight. I was just asking, you know, some other people to, to let me have a, a couple puffs on, on their cigarette. Uh, I remember my grandpa, he would give me money and I would go and buy a cigarette in the corner store. You would do that and they wouldn't question. This is different times. And um, I remember I started drinking with my cousin. My cousin, he had a father that was an alcoholic and he was kind of going into that. I had no idea about that either, but he would go out on the weekends with his friends. My cousin is way older than me. I would stay at my grandma's place and I would just come back drunk, wasted with my cousin, right? At the age of 13, had no idea. Uh, at the same age, I started smoking marijuana, which my, par my parents had no idea that that was taking place. And at the age of 16, all this is progressing very rapidly where I'm already experimenting with cocaine, with hash, and it's just, it's just getting bad. It's just getting bad. 
and then Pastor Ricardo, at the age of 19, you moved from Chile to Winnipeg, Manitoba in Canada. Yes. Can you tell us about that experience? Yes. Um, that was a traumatic experience, not just because of the move, but February is summer in Chile. So I remember very vividly that day because I left on February the 12th with plus 37 in Santiago, plus 37 Celsius. I arrived in Winnipeg with uh, the next day, February the 13th, with minus 37. So you can make the math, you know? So that was a huge change. I remember coming out of the airport, I, I couldn't breathe, I'm choking, I'm, oh, what is this, right? So yeah, it was a very traumatic experience. But having said that, um, also the culture was very different. Uh, I remember that as I got here at four o'clock, around four o'clock in the afternoon, I remember that my cousin was waiting for me at the airport with my uncle and whatever. And I arrived at four, at six o'clock, I was already high. I was already smoking weed. So it was very easy to kind of get your hands on any kind of drugs here in, in Canada. And that was at a time when it wasn't legal? No, of course, now is, you can go to any, 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 any store that is licensed to do that. Yeah, no, it wasn't legal. We we're talking about 20 years ago, right? So everything changed. Um, what was the turning point? I mean, what, what happened when you were in Canada? Did things get better or worse? No, things, things escalated, they got rapidly worse. I was already struggling with addictions um, from Chile. I came here just as a drug addict. I, I mean, I was smoking every single day. I was doing hash. I was doing cocaine before I came to Canada. So here it was just like the door to all the opportunities. Very easy. So I remember going to high school and this was in the, in the school uh, yard. You had like three, four kids selling marijuana, right? Uh, so yeah, no, I, I, I got, it, it was very easy, things escalated. And because I was so hooked to this, I was so addicted that I couldn't afford it anymore. It's expensive, it's very expensive. And on top of that, I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day, so I couldn't afford it. So then what is the next thing you do? I started dealing, I started selling marijuana. And um, the interesting thing is that I was, basically in, in, in contact with all these crazy people. And one of the guys that was giving me the marijuana for me to sell was a cop or a part-time cop. So a crooked police. So, so imagine that. So this is how bad things were. So how did things change? Was there a specific turning point? Yes, of course. Uh, as I was saying, things got really bad to the point that I'm now selling, selling marijuana. My parents don't know what's going on, but I'm just getting more hooked to, to the addiction. And, um, and one of the things that, that began to happen is that one night I experienced something that is called like this, basically the feeling of death. I didn't even know what it was. Later on, I knew that it was a panic attack but I didn't know, it was just like a heart attack. Like you, you, your throat start closing up, 
you start feeling, you know, your heart is racing very fast, pain in your chest, your arm. It's just an excruciating pain that I thought I was having a heart attack. Like, and, and at one point, basically you're so scared, but at one point you just kind of give up and you're ready to go. That moment just was, was the beginning of the turning point. From that moment on, I started experiencing this often. I couldn't do any drugs. My body would start reacting. I, I, I went through kind of a withdrawal process that lasted a long time where I'm having these panic attacks all the time where I can't sleep. I cannot hear my heart. I have a, I, even till now, I have a hard time listening to my heart. If I put my, my head on the pillow and I hear my heart, I need to change positions. And through that moment, I remember also that I, I was feeling like I was losing it, that I was going crazy, that I couldn't control my body. And I would wake up at night, two in the morning, and just kind of sit by the window. I couldn't sleep well. I was sleeping in a fetal position, hugging a pillow sometimes. It was just a scary moment in my life where my parents didn't know what was happening. Um, one of the things that, that through that process was happening is that my mom felt the need to go back to church. And my dad was the one that followed after that. And, um, and then my little sister. Meanwhile, I, I'm just turning into drinking now because drinking is okay. My body doesn't react. So I'm drinking, I'm drinking like over, you know, more than $300 a weekend. And I'm just grabbing a backpack, getting a six pack in my, in my, in my backpack. And I'm just walking by myself downtown Winnipeg, see if I could pick up a fight or something like that. Just angry with the world, just loosen it. That's kind of what is happening at that time. And was there something that, that your parents said or how did, how did they reach you in that place? They must have been, you know, watching something and, and seeing our son is not the same. So at that time, as they're going back to church, one of the, the of course, they're scared for what is happening in my life. They don't know how to deal with it. And they invited me to church. And they, they invited me to church and they were persistent about it. So I, I went to an evangelistic series. Now picture the worst evangelistic series you can imagine. It's like we had Doug Bachelor. It's not that he's a bad speaker, he's a great speaker, but Doug Bachelor speaking in English. Now this is translated over, like you can hear the English and then you, you hear the Spanish and it's on a satellite. So you have it on a projector and a screen in the basement of, of a church. That's the evangelistic series that I went to. And, but, but this is how God works. He spoke something that just caught my attention. Didn't go back to church again, but I followed that through the computer. And that was the beginning of a change. So it wasn't a polished message. It was the message that you heard. It was the content really that spoke to you. Yes, the content. It, 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 it basically it appealed to my intelligence. And I think that that's how God works. He appeals to our intellect. Now, one of the things that happened there, Mike, is that as time progressed, I, I felt the need to, 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 spend, to, to get to know God. And one day I remember I made the decision to go to church. And my parents didn't know. They were having breakfast. So I grabbed the towel. I went right across the living room to the bathroom. And they were wondering, what is this guy doing? Saturday morning. Usually he's coming back on Saturday morning. 
So what is he doing? So I'm going to the shower. I said, oh, I'm going to take a shower. Where are you going? I'm going to church. And they were super surprised. They were, as you can imagine, they were happy. So we made it to church. And one of the things that I experienced there is that as, as the service ended, the elder of the church approached me and he says, welcome. I knew you would come. And I'm looking at him all kind of suspicious. How this guy knew that I was going to come here when I made the decision this morning? And so I confronted him and I asked him, how do you know? So he said, I knew you would come because we were praying for you. And that moment, I just knew that along that time, as my mom was going to church, as my dad was going to church, people were praying for me. And that made the difference. You didn't know they were praying for you? I had no idea. I had no idea that people were praying for me. And that really spoke to your heart? I mean, I believe that everything that happened, to be honest, from the panic attacks through the whole journey, that was God reaching out, just pulling me out of the mess. This is so encouraging, Pastor, because it reminds those viewing who are parents and might be feeling so discouraged about their children, but just to know that don't stop praying for your kids. Prayer is so powerful and God knows each of our children so well and He knows exactly how to reach them just like He reached you. And He has promised in His Word that He's going to save our children. Amen. And so what an experience it must have been for your mom and your dad. So did you get involved in the church? Of course, this is the amazing thing that God does, right? Um, he, he not only changes you inside, but he, he uses you. And, and I began to get involved uh, with the youth and, and we were doing different activities, different things uh, in the church. I remember one of the things that, that changed my life was the fact that we used to go to the nursing home and we used to do the service for a couple Hispanic guys that were there. And I remember that one day, one Saturday afternoon, as I was coming home, I, I was riding in, in, in the back of the car with my parents and I was just reflecting about the day. I, I was feeling so, how can I say, so joyful, so satisfied about the day. I was happy, I was enjoying what I was doing. I remember as, I, as I'm riding, I'm thinking about the whole day and I felt that this is what I had to do. I, I, I felt that this is what I need to be doing my whole life. And I spoke to my parents and I said, I know what I want to do in my life. I had no idea before, but this moment, it was just so clear to me. And they asked, so yeah, what, what do you want to do? I said, I want to be a minister. Of course, they were, they were super happy about that. But that moment just changed my life. It changed my life. Pastor Ricotta, you really had to face a lot. Were you ever angry with God for what happened to you as a child? Of course, and I think that most, and I would say maybe all of the victims that go through something as traumatic as I did, they have questioned God at one point or another. And one of the things that I question is where was God? Where was God in that moment? Because in that moment, as, as I grew up and as I tried to 
cope with what happened, not telling anyone. I felt guilty. I felt ashamed. I felt lonely. I, I felt that I was just battling this myself. I, I felt even incapable of overcoming all this stuff. So I questioned, where was God? If there is a loving God, where is he? Why did he allow that to happen to me? I was mad at God. At one point, I just, I became an atheist. I didn't care for God because if there is a loving God somewhere, how he can allow this to happen to me? And now that you have become a pastor, you've studied the Bible, what do you understand about where God was when you were going through that? It's amazing, that journey to understand where, where God was in the picture. You know, God, God was always in the picture. Now, one of the things is that we have choice. And I understand that we have freedom of choice. And we live, unfortunately, in a world that is sinful. And we can exercise that choice where God doesn't manipulate, God doesn't control. And, and those things that happen to us, they're the product of somebody else's choice that affect your life. So in reality, I mean, God was there. But in his love, he allowed choice to take place. And unfortunately, because of sin, those things come to us without us asking for it. Now, the cool thing about it is that he doesn't leave you there. He doesn't leave you broken. He mends you. He brings you up. He, he builds you up and, and he heals you. Ultimately, he brings healing into your life. How were you able to move forward from your past to, was there some kind of mechanism for you? Was it forgiveness? What was it that allowed you to move forward and not be ruled by your past? It was a tough, it was a tough journey. It's still like there are moments uh, that, is, that is difficult. I did a lot of psychology classes trying to understand what happened, why I reacted the way I did. But ultimately was understanding that you are not the product of the past, that you can, you can create a future, that you don't have to be ruled by the things of the past. Usually when we go through these experiences, those, those, those experiences, they become the things that are ruling your present. And, and, and you almost define yourself by those things. God showed me through his word that I didn't have to define myself by what happened to me that I could be a son of God, that I could have a future, that he could break, that, that he could let me actually have the experience of breaking free from that experience and not be ruled by it. Just doesn't mean that you're gonna forget. It's always there. You remember, but you don't, you're not ruled by it. So you break free and you can create a future with God leading that future. And it's amazing. It's amazing when that happened, uh, your whole world changes. Pastor Ricardo, have you had any opportunities to minister to others because of your traumatic experiences? That's one of the things that is strange. You may, you may think that how can you minister with something that you know happened to you that is so horrible? But it's amazing how God turned bad things into something that can be useful. Um, I have had many experiences where young girl or, or someone even young, young male approach me and, and opens up and say, this is what happened. And I said, I know what you're going through. And of course, people, they say, no, you don't know what you're going through, what I'm going through. And I said, yes, I know what you're going through. No, you don't. And I'm like, yes, I know exactly what you're going through because I went through it also. And it gives you an opportunity to just 
not only share how God has taken you out of there, but to provide hope for people to know that you don't have to be stuck in the same place that you've been for years. You also have a very creative side to you and you've done some creative ministry, cutting hair. Tell us a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, cutting hair is, uh, I, I, came, I came to this church when COVID started. So everything was closed and I'm like, what do you use to, to, get, to get to know people when you are just behind cameras? You go zero to two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So we'll blend this side here, and then we'll we'll just blend it in. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I I I, I cut hair. Uh, I started that as an initiative to to get to know the youth in the church, and has worked. Of course, that's something that began before that. I used this in the states. I used this in Cuba as creative evangelism. It's an awesome opportunity to get to know people. You know, when you go and you sit. In a, in a barber chair, you just kind of talk and walls come down and then you get to get in contact with people. So yeah, that's what is happening. We're, we're thinking about opening that to the community too. So, so that's where we are with that. So can you tell us a little bit more about your church here in Winnipeg, Manitoba? Yes, Henderson Highway Church is a very loving church. It's a multicultural church. We have, I think, if I'm not mistaken, over 20 countries that are here in this church. So it's very nice. You can find people from a lot of places within the church, yes. And so one final question. Do you have a favorite Bible verse that you can share with us? Yes, of course. My favorite Bible verse is how God spoke to me in those moments of darkness. And it's Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 4 to 9. It talks about that before God created you, He already knew you and He had a purpose for you. And He says, I assign you as a prophet for the nations and wherever you go, I will be with you. That passage has been with me throughout my ministry, understanding that God knew me before He even created me. Pastor Ricardo, before we go, I wonder if you could pray for our viewers. There may be someone who is watching who has been through something traumatic. Uh, could you pray for them for healing? Of course. Let us pray. Father God, we're so thankful that we have a safe place, a refuge place, where we can come and run without brokenness, knowing that we are accepted, that we are loved. Father, you never intended for us to experience the pain that we go through in this world of suffering. But Lord, thank you that you have manifested yourself in tangible ways, in a way to tell us that you love us, that you care, that you are in our lives, that we are not abandoned, that we are not alone. And Father, I pray that you will break some chains today, that you will set some people free. You came to set the captives free, and I pray that you will do that. Whoever is struggling, Lord, with self-esteem issues, whoever is struggling with the pain and the suffering of abuse, I pray, Lord, that you will come into their lives and that you will let them know how much you love them and how valuable they are to you, that you gave your own life. The most precious thing that you had, you gave it for them so that they could actually spend eternity with you. Father, please put that in their minds, in their hearts, make that part of their experience, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Pastor Ricardo, thank you so much for joining us on It Is Written Canada today. Thank you. It was a pleasure to be with you.
Just like Pastor Ricardo's story, our free offer, Changed for Life, will give you hope. Changed for Life features the incredible true stories of people who faced unbelievable challenges. No matter who you are, where you come from, or what kind of pain you are facing today, you will see how God has a solution for you. Before you go, we would also like to invite you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel and also listen to our podcasts. And if you go to our website, you can see our latest programs. You too can experience the fullness of life found in the words of Jesus when he said it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.